What's up everyone, welcome to episode 9 of the Noise Podcast. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I am joined by Mr. Cynical himself, Sam Lewis. How are we getting on, Sam? I'm absolutely fantastic, mate. How about you? Rough weekend, man, but we made it. We're here. <laughs> yeah. Although this is probably yeah. the closest I've ever come to not making it. <laughs> yeah, every, every week you inch further and further um, away from making it and I think it's really it's really becoming a bit of a concern but we'll be doing this again in a couple of weeks yes of course we will eventually the lack of noise podcast episodes is going to be like oh shit maybe someone's happened to Chris <laughs> he did <laughs> say he was of... getting closer yeah yeah there's just me uh, so I regret to announce that um, no longer we continue the podcast because Chris has surprisingly didn't make it this time <laughs> it'll just be like yeah so Chris's hangover has actually got to the level where he's just he's just hung over now for the rest of his life. <laughs> and he can't do this. <laughs> we'll just be playing pre-recordings of Chris from when he wasn't hungover and hoping that it makes sense. I have to mention, Sam, that we are off to New York City uh, on Saturday. Which yes, we is, are. Which is one of the most exciting things I've ever said in my life. But that <laughs> does mean that uh, the next episode is again going to be in another two weeks. But that actually works out quite well because unless I'm missing something, there's no major albums out in the next two weeks anyway. Um, so that actually, the timing couldn't be better. So it would just be a standard list of episodes from here on out where we usually we record an episode to go in the middle of the two weeks when something big comes out. That's not necessary because on this show, we're going to be doing reviews on After the Burial and Periphery, which is, again, exciting. Can't wait to talk about both of these. It's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, man, it's going to be a good one today. As well on this show, we're going to go through another five of Sam's top 100 uh, greatest metal albums of all time. I'm sure we've had, there'll be some debates there. And we're going to run, through, run you through a bit of the news as well before we get into that. Merch, noise.bigcartel.com. You can get your t-shirts and your beanies, £15.50. And I did just want to make a quick mention of the Cardiff Music Awards. We didn't win uh, Best Press. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Minty's Good Guide who did win Best Press. However, I still wanted to thank everyone that voted for us and got us nominated. Just to be in the list was wicked. Um, if we come round again this time next year, then we'll, we'll, we'll be back on you to do nominations again then. So I'm just going to mute this chat. Oh, did you hear that noise then? Uh, I actually didn't, mate. Oh, right, okay. I'll, I'm sorry, I'm going to mute the Facebook chat one second. Um, yeah, so... Might be coming around again for um, Cardiff Music Awards next year, but for the time being, thank you for everyone that voted for us. And also, you would have noticed that our last episode uh, was on Spotify, and now all by the time this episode is released, all of our old previous episodes should be on Spotify as well. So if it was one of those things where YouTube takes up your data and you never got around to listening to an episode because you didn't want to uh, lose your data, they're on Spotify. So if you follow Noise UK, you'll be able to uh, download the podcast and listen to them without eating the shit out of your data. And ideally, every episode for the foreseeable future is going to be on Spotify, which is awesome. And it's a really cool thing for us to achieve. And I remember when we first started doing this, I was like, we'll just put it on YouTube and we'll see what the reception's like. If people ask us enough to put go on Spotify, we'll look at it. Well, I was thinking like that, like a year, a year's down the line, that one. Um, as it turns out, they wanted it right now. So that's fucking awesome. And I wanted to thank Paul Simmons who has been a massive, massive contributing factor to it being on Spotify. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's a genius. Um, yeah, he's absurd. Who would just say that out loud for you, please? He's, he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. He's very, very good at his job, and we're lucky to have him. And thanks to thanks to him, we are now on, on Spotify and Apple Music, which is just 
phenomenal. Like that, that's like a career achievement for us. I think it really so, is, yeah, to... man. That's cool. I never thought I'd be saying that. That's wicked, man. I'm so happy that um, people are enjoying this to a level where like it's it's reasonable for it to be on Spotify. I was listening to it on the way to work like last week. I was like, holy shit, man. <laughs> Me and my best friend are on Spotify. It's fucking wicked. So big thanks to Paul, but also thanks to everyone who's listened uh, to make it worth our while and for Spotify to accept it as well. Fucking great. Thank you so much. On with today's show. So, Sam. Yes. We're doing, two, we're doing two album reviews here of two bands that we both fucking love strongly. But I want to drop an album review in at the start just to be a little bit different this week. So, we can do After the Burial Now or Periphery Now. I'm going to leave it up to you. Um, okay. Uh, in the spirit of Headliner going last, we should definitely do After the Burial first and do Periphery at the end. That makes sense to me, I think. Superb. New album is called Evergreen. And Sam, I'm going to give it to you to open up this review because I've read your review, which is going to be up on Noise in the next couple of days. So, Sam, the floor is yours. I really like this album, Chris. I, <laughs> I think Can't it's going to be surprised. <laughs> I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've um, I've been listening to it pretty much non-stop for the last couple of weeks, apart from when I've been listening to Periphery, really. And um, I think it's just, I think it's just marvelous. I, I think when we, you heard Dig Deep, and it was um, when we first really discovered After the Burial through the Lost in the Static single, and they really. Um, they really came out with like a tour de force record really that was just really sort of heavy and grungy and nasty it was sort of this perfect deep toned metal album and what I was hoping from Evergreen is not just like the same sort of level of depth of heaviness and, 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 and intensity but I wanted to see if that could take a further step and, and I really think that has taken place I think if you look on this, if you look at this album, I think the first five tracks are, honest to God, absolutely sensational. Like some of some of the some of the music here, some of the blends of 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 tech metal here, and some of the, the some of the transitions and some of the chords, and, and and some of the musicianship here is just absolutely stunning. Um, starting starting off with the lead single, "Behold the Crown," which we've already reviewed, which is just it's fucking beautiful. A yeah, a tour de force of a song. Uh, and going going from there, rattling rattling through the rattling through the rest of the album, including um, this song called Eleven Twenty Six, which I haven't really stopped talking about to you um, for, for 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 weeks. Uh, I just think it is uh, honestly, I I am I'm, I'm blown away. I think I think it is just absolutely fantastic. Like the next song, you like exist exist. It's just just a relentless like percussive. Um, no holds barred song there's, there's there's elements of like real lead guitar here and and like transcendent melodic moments in 1126 there are just like in flux has like really deafening breakdowns and it just the it, it's really the whole package it's one of the the most well-constructed albums i've heard um definitely all year and, and maybe over the last couple of years really i really think it is it's is so 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 very good I'm going to echo a lot of those sen uh, sentiments, really, because th there's so much of this album that I, I fucking love. I adore the heaviness of Behold the Crown. Like, those, those, that relentless pinch harmonica, like, yeah. of, when we talk about Impulse Crushed by Ithaca, and, like, Behold the Crown, like, kind of mimics that a little bit, not in terms of the, not in terms of the same tonality, but in terms of, like, that repeating pinch harmonica. Yeah. You, don't, you don't hear a lot in heavy music now. It's, like, no. quite a rarity, and it, yes. you know, it, it fits around that song absolutely fucking beautifully, and after the burial, have got this really like innate sense of just 
being able to make every song sound absolutely punishing. Mm-hmm. And the guitarist is is a genius. I've got to say, it, it, it is truly absurd that this band have only got one guitarist. It blows my mind that he's able to do this to carry the rhythm section as well as the lead the way that he does. He, yeah. he is a true, true exception to the rule of metal guitarists. He's absolutely fucking sensational. I completely agree. And it, it, the fact that it, um, it seemingly quite easily rotates with different tempos, different um, different timings, different um, sort of vibes. It, it seems to quite easily go from like lurching, brutal breakdowns, really crushing stuff to like this sort of like technical thrash stuff. Uh, mixed in with like genuine like melody and artistry and some some guitar solos and harmony sections and it is just phenomenal it's like the final song of this like a pulse exchanged and it's like it combines a load of their best stuff really almost like this like incredible thrash sequence like the tempo changes the riff changes the really brutal simple simple breakdown but then you've got other songs on there that are like just really, like you said, punishing is is definitely a phrase that I'll continue to use. It's just if you if you if you're if you're a, if you're a big fan of 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 metal's ability to grab you grab you around the throat and shake you, um, then there aren't many better albums at the moment than I think that do this. But also, there's a real technicality and, and artistry. It never feels like it's heavy for heavy's sake. It always feels like it, whatever they're trying to do is fitting in with their overall vision, their overall um, their overall project. And I, I, no one quite does a breakdown like after the burial. I don't no, think. No, they don't. So I, I do one hundred percent agree with that. Uh, because you get the standard sort of tempo breakdowns, but these are like with chord changes and switch ups and, and 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 changes of tempo and changes of rhythm, and it just always keeps you guessing, always keeps you looking for what's next. And in in twenty seconds, it can just shift into something else and just morph into something else. And I found myself. Um, being just continually impressed by the weight of the songwriting here, which I think has really taken a step forward. I've got to say that Anthony on lead vocals again absolutely kills it on Crushing. this album. He he's got a really, I'll be honest, just baffling way of his heavy vocals are, are consistently like scathing, and yet. He's able to switch a little bit of melody into them, just just enough to not make it too much on the ear. Yes. I, I can't actually quite explain how how he does it, but do, do you know what I'm referring to? Those little nuances, like in 1126, yes. where he goes from like the bleeding screams into just something a little bit of little bit of a different pitch. And yes. He's, he's, he's still screaming, he's still heavy as fuck, but he, it's just like a little bit more relenting and. It makes for some absolutely fucking amazing changes of pace. Anthony Notomaso, that's his name. I forgot what the vocalist's name was. Yeah, Anthony Notomaso, he's unbelievable on his record again. I think it's, it's difficult to just point out certain areas and aspects of this band and say, oh, because this bit was amazing me. Because after the burial, more than any other band in, in their type of music are a real collective. Yes. And what I mean by that is... Um, the guitarist and Diotis Murder are sick, but CJ is the band. And I don't mean that as, as a knock to them. I mean, no. because C, CJ is Diotis Murder. Yes. Just like Phil Bowsman is Whitechapel. Uh-huh. But, but after the burial are a collective. 
incredible metal band. And you, you look at their lineup at the moment, and you take out either Trent Halfdahl or even Dan Carl on drums. He's he, amazing, by yeah, the he, way. He, he's, he, a, again, he's a machine. Again, exceptional. And you think, man, I don't know how this band, how this band's, you know, musical sensibilities would sound going forward from here. Even 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 the bassist who who replaced the one that sadly died. He plays a, a massive, a massive part in this record, of course. In terms of keeping everything stuck together, uh, I, I, I do think this is a, a really fucking great extreme metal album. One thing I will say, yeah, as mm, it's not a negative for me, but it could be a negative for some. Yeah, this does very much feel, in terms of the tempo and the textualization of of the record, this does feel like Dig Deep two point oh. Yeah. And that's great for me because I think Dig Deep is great, and it, uh, and they've taken that level that level of really punishing rhythm and upped it a little bit in this record, which which is fucking superb for me. But if you were going into this record and kind of hope, uh, if you finished the last song on Dig Deep and thought, love to know where they're going to take it next, you might be disappointed because they haven't taken it anywhere really. It's it's the same formula as Dig Deep, just with. Uh, new lyrics, really, and some fucking and and a, and a changing uh, guitar melody every now and again, and I think that can that that would could be potentially disappointing for some people. And there's a there's a song called Respire, where they add it's only for ten seconds, but they add genuine melody into the song, and I would have liked that to have flowed through the album a bit more. I know there's the intricate open to eleven twenty six. But I mean, a legitimate like guitar melody. I would have liked that a little bit more throughout this record, just to add some spices of a little something a little bit different. And I did find myself towards the end of the album as it was just breaking off. But you, I'm talking about the final three songs, like the Great Repeat, to Challenge Existence, and, and yeah, and, uh, and uh, the, the, the strength in this album's in the start. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. I, I did find myself kind of weaning off in terms of my interest. And I did listen to it one more time today on the train on the way back from work. And I, like it just confirmed my thoughts. The first five songs. I'm, I am absolutely in 100%. Yes. And then, but my interest just just tends to to whittle away towards the end. And I remember saying to you before when we when we were just talking between me and you and me about this album, and I was like, yeah, you know, dig deep, um, great album that, but we only talk about three songs on it. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. This doesn't necessarily suffer from the same problem because Behold the Crown, Exit, Exist, Eleven Twenty Six, Influx and Respire are songs that we could legitimately still be playing in 10 years to each other because they're all absolute bangers. But outside of that, it does whittle away just a little bit. I understand that. I think um, what I will say on the Beryl's behalf is that, like I'm their spokesman or their PR technician or something, <laughs> um, but <laughs> if that job's going, by the way. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but what I will say is that what I've liked that they've done is while there hasn't been, I agree with you, like a, a massive leap in terms of the difference. There's been enough tweaks so there's, it's noticeable, and to show a uh, show a, a sense of progression, but not enough that they've completely lost what made them great. And I think that's a nice balance that not many bands have found. Um, not a lot of bands make you know when bands are like, oh, we're gonna go in a different direction, and me and you are like doing that podcast section where it's like, well, this could go well, or yeah, yeah. Fucking horrendously. And in this circumstance, I respect After the Burial for like saying, all right, we're taking a step forward, but it doesn't have to be a leap because we know what we're about. Absolutely. Um, evolution, not revolution. Yeah, yeah. It's a lovely way of putting it. Yeah. And and I think I think that's I think that's key here. I do think there's enough steps forward. That if you're 
a fan of the material, a fan of the band, where you're like, oh, I like that. It's a little wrinkle. Like, we saw what? Like, I know it's had a bit of a bit, bit of stick for this. Um, more than I ever realised, actually. Lots of metal fans are like, er, since. But really, it's it's not that much of a change. And and I like the fact that it was just a, it's just a different avenue that the band has explored a little bit. And I think that's a really good thing. And I think that after the burial of, of taking a positive step forward, this is... Uh, this is not going to be the album, unfortunately, and I wish that it was. It's not going to be the album that, that sort of gets some support in Metallica or whatever. Like They're not going to be on that path right right now, but I think I think it's a brilliant album. I really do. I think it is superb, and I think within its genre, it's one of the best releases I've heard for a little bit. Oh, absolutely, yeah. After the burial, uh, uh, literally up there is heavyweights now in extreme metal for me, like without doubt. Yeah, I, I, comple- I completely agree, and I think... I think if, you, if, you, if they continue to move forward, there's no reason why we can't expect to see After the Burial in the same light as Yathiati's murders if they if they continue to make this sort of progression. Now, they don't have as many like iconic songs as Thyart, because obviously Thyart have Holy War and Reign of Darkness, uh, and even Puppet Master now uh, is, 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 an, is becoming an iconic song for the band. But if they write, they've got Lost in the Static, Behold the Crown, if they have another one of these songs... And I, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm massively biased. I think 1126 is one of the best metal songs I've heard for a little bit. Um, I think they have the real potential to be, to be, to be right up there, supporting your architects or your while she sleeps. I, think, I really do. I want to just go back a little bit to when I was talking about how it follows the same blueprint as Dig Deep. Yeah. Again, you know, there's no reason for After the Burial to change this up, like you said. They've found a formula that works for them. And they're an extreme metal band. I know what extreme and, and metal. And takes advantage of their talent. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we turn around to someone like Dan Carl and be like, actually, could you just play a bit slower? Yeah, no. Nah. It wouldn't be a utilisation of what they're good at. They're an extreme metal band as well. They know their audience. They know what their audience wants and they're going to fucking deliver. But for me, I would have just liked, a, I would just liked um, a bit of a, a higher leap. I do think that the next album that follows this, if it's still got that same kind of rhythm tempo as Dig Deep, I will start to be like, oh man, can they not just try something a little different? Do you know what I mean? But that's just me personally. That's not to suggest I don't love this record. I do I love this record. That. This is one of the best albums I've heard this year, easily. And that's saying something because we've had a great year so far. But I, I think by the next album, there needs to be a little bit of change up in the rhythm tempo. But I'm going to score this and I'm going to go... Oh, toying myself a little bit. I'm going to go 8.5 on this one. Fucking really great extreme metal album that I'll be listening to for the foreseeable future. Sam? I went 9 on the review. Yes, um, you did. I remember now. Yeah. Um, uh, which which means that I, I, I've had it up there with the, the new While She Sleeps album, which I, which I I just love it. I think it's a, I think it's a huge I think it's a huge achievement for the band. I think uh, it's the best album in its genre. Uh, I think I think it's just absolutely phenomenal. I think it's if you're a metal fan, if you're there's me no and you, yeah, yeah, you're, no if you're, if you're, yeah, yeah, absolutely, you're you're putting this on, and I think sometimes we criticise me and you both to this. We always look for the next thing, and I think it's natural in this game to do that. Um, but at some point, I think you should the, the band should also be recognised for just achieving within its within its field, and for for metal as a metal album. This is superb, and and I think and I think it is it's really 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 impressive, and I really enjoyed it. Just as we get into the news, I wanted to talk to you about the dirt. The dirt is oh, a, yeah. a, somewhat of a biopic 
on uh, Netflix. Of, yeah, we're not uh, having like an anthropological section. We're talking about Motley <laughs> Crue's new documentary. Uh, it's on, uh, yeah, Motley Crue. Now, Motley Crue are a band that I have little to no interest in. They've just never captured me at any point. Uh, but I know that you, you're somewhat the same, but you get them a little bit more than me. I'd imagine your dad was a fan. He actually wasn't. Like, oh, right, okay. Yeah, because he, he, like me, shares the opinion that they were very superficial musically. So you've watched a documentary. How is it, man? It's exactly like they are. Um, Expand. <laughs> so Motley Crue are a band that was entirely built uh, on reputation, notoriety, um, infamy, and all these big controversial buzzwords when it was popular to read, like, Kerrang! magazines about bands that would, like, throw up on planes and, like, trash hotel rooms and all these sort of rock and roll cliches and things like that. Motley Crue built a career on that, really. Um, they had like a devilish sounding name and they've had albums with pentagrams on the front and then they wore makeup to scare people's children and they wrote songs with the word devil in. But in reality, as an actual band, when you scratch away the surface, there's not really a lot of great albums or great songs. It's ba- it's a lot of based on reputation, in my opinion. I think the band is really superficial. And honestly... You you take a poll of a hundred metal fans, ask them to list the ten greatest metal bands of all time. Not one of them gets to Motley Crue. You ask them to list ten of the greatest metal songs ever. None of them list a metal um, a Motley Crue song. And you ask them to list um, ten of the most influential rock or metal bands, and they'll list fifteen before they get to Motley Crue. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. They don't have half a dozen hits. And I think when you watch the the, the watch the actual documentary, Chris, it's exactly like that because. If you put all the put all of the moments of music together in this entire documentary, it would be about four minutes long. There's Jeez. there's like a clip at the start where they have put Tommy Lee in the band and hire Mick Mars, the guitarist. There's a pick like there's a little clip later where they're playing live and they get into a fight, so the song cuts short. Then there's a brief clip where Tommy Lee plays a bit of "I'm Coming Home" on piano before they start talking about heroin, shock horror. And then there's a bit of Motley Crue playing in the background during the credits. The rest of it is exactly what the band were, a series of drug-fueled anecdotes with the backing of music. Do you know what I mean? Like, the music was secondary. Like, it was about, really, it's better served as a documentary about what happens when you give four really good-looking tanned blokes millions and millions and millions of dollars in los angeles california and just let them do what they want and the result was fucking carnage and that that's 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 it really that that that's it that, that it's a fun it's a fun watch just like motley crew and okay listen someone will play girls 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 in a fucking strip club and you'll not you'll nod along and you'll remember that bit of the video where they're riding motorcycles but no one ever 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 He's sitting around the pub talking about the greatest metal bands of all time. Man, you know who was great? Motley Crue. Do you know what? Do you know? Do you know what? You know what changed the world? Doctor Feelgood. No, and it just doesn't. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen. And the 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 documentary was as superficial as them, and it is really. I fucking love you. I, it, it, <laughs> thanks. And I and I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And you know what? Fucking it's a hell. it's a laugh. But there's there's a clip in it where the the famous Ozzy Osbourne story comes along. If you've heard this, where they used Motley Crue got into like this daring competition with Ozzy Osbourne, and Ozzy Osbourne won because he snorted ants next to a next to a swimming pool. 
Yeah, yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a popular story. Uh, so that that was in there, despite the fact that's got fuck all to do with Motley Crue. Um, and there's lots of stories where you're taken through the POV of Tommy Lee, where he's getting um, getting high on like um, uh, zombie dust, which is a mixture of like cocaine and heroin, which was really good for him, I imagine, and just trashing hotel rooms. And then um, and then Vince Neil kills the dude at Hano Rocks, and he's and then he's and then like fast forwards a decade later, and then his daughter dies. And then fast forward a decade later when they'd all split up and coincidentally all wrote shit music for nine years. They missed that bit out. And then just like, <laughs> <laughs> and then they, <laughs> they decided to get back together for Fucking Vince Neil. And there's this little bit where Vince Neil's sitting around the bar, right? And I'm sorry, but his daughter's just died. And they're all trying to get him back in the band to, to make oodles more money because they've all fucking run out. And they're all sitting there going... Like come back in the band, we want you one of us. And Vince Neil turns to his mate and and starts crying, and he just goes, "It's just not in the universe, man." And I laughed out loud. Fucking hell. Because like it was so like cringy and cliche. Now it's a laugh. I'll tell you what, Chris. If you if you got nothing to do for an hour and a half, chuck it on, man. Because it's just it's it's a, it's an interesting fucking look. It shouldn't be classed as a fucking documentary. Because it's it's a it's a it's a series of anecdotes told by people that will legit admit to you that they don't remember that anything that happened from 1981 to 1989. So what is it? It's just a piece together anecdotes from their own autobiography, which was written for them. Do you know what I mean? Like so, I, I, it, but it's a laugh. They're the they're the Kardashians of metal, Chris. And this is just their this is just their documentary. That's all it is. It's it's not it's not of any real weight. That's one of my favourite reviews of all time, and there's literally nothing I can add to that. <laughs> that was that was amazing. That was incredible. That's one of my favourite times of the podcast so far. Really? Thank you. <laughs> that was exceptional. You're very welcome. <laughs> I must move on. I didn't, even, I, didn't even, I didn't even plan that, by the way. <laughs> there's literally nothing I can add to that. I must move on. Uh, Sam, <laughs> Machine yeah. Head have announced a Burn My Eyes 25th anniversary shows. I mean, could we be more excited for this? No, I couldn't. I, 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 I think this is going to be. I think this should be fantastic. They have the original band members. How nice of a touch is that? Original drummer Chris Contos and guitarist Logan Mayer as well. I mean, this is a lovely time to be alive. This. Uh, the best thing about it, in my opinion, is that we went to see Machine Head last year, and it was my gig of the year. It was just a night with Machine Head, two and a half to three hours of Machine Head, fucking playing all the classics. It was brilliant. Uh, it was just one of those most I'd never seen them play before, and. The crowd really took me and you were loving every second. It was like one of those like nylon perfect uh, shows for me. And I gave that out a uh, gig of the year in a year when we went to see Slayer and Lamb of God. So that, that's that's how good and how impressive that show was to me. And for this one, the plan is to do the first half of the show as um, Machine Head Classics. And the second half as Burn My Eyes in Full. And that, I mean, that's fucking awesome, isn't it? What yeah. What a time I, to be alive. You know what? I, it... Is, uh, there, aren't, there aren't really bands that look after their fans like Machine Head, is there? Not particularly, mate, no. Like, I mean, like, I know them, I know, so it's gonna, some dickheads will be like, well, yeah, but they're making money off it, they're not doing it for free. Well, of, of course they are, because Rob Flynn's got to pay his mortgage. Um, but, like, what band would be like, you know what, we're going to bring out this album that we haven't done for 25 years, so I'm about re-recording it to make it sound better. Yeah. And all this sort of shit, like, who the fuck takes that sort of time? Like it just doesn't happen. Like no offense, and I love the and I love the band. I'm about to compare it to right, but Lamb of God are bringing out a 15th anniversary of Ashes of the Wake, right? And it's got Ashes of the Wake without any changes. Um, 
three um three songs you've already heard before one different version of a song you've already heard before and a couple of b-sides look it, no offense like but if you listen really closely you could hear the barrel being scraped um, yeah yeah do you know what i mean like uh, and like i get it like those are the songs off the album you have that's cool um but machine had a really like have just gone above and beyond here and i think that's really fucking sick and they've had a lot of difficulty over the last few years you know like they had the issue with their bassist that was in in the band for ages and then he he left and they've always had like a few movements of, of, of figures and then they had the guitarist who had to go away and do some stuff I think for like Ozzy Osbourne or Zach Wild or I can't remember who he was who he subbed in for and uh, he had to come back as well so they've always been a little bit in flux and still they're able to do they're able to do stuff like this and then off the back of it they released a new album a couple of years ago and they'll probably release another one soon I, like fair play Rob Flynn good for you and tackling racism in metal all on his own it's great Hero. because it's great because they're a band that needed this right now. After the two members left uh, in the towards the back end of 2018, yeah. And, I, and, and at that point, towards the end of 2018, I'm thinking, man, Machine Head are gonna are gonna call it quits here. Rob Flynn's gonna like just do the occasional solo show acoustically because I know he likes doing acoustic stuff and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I was like. Yeah, it's going to be the end of Machine Head. I'm so glad I caught them. My, my, my favourite marketing bit of that, though, was when he was like, Machine Head Farewell Tour, and everyone bought tickets, and he was like, oh, just farewell to those guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant, I've got to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, I if never you... said specifically <laughs> who we were saying farewell to. It's like the Brexit, it's like the Brexit bus with the big red, <laughs> the 350 million pound a week. And Nigel Farage is like, well, I don't even have a lot to do with it. <laughs> you literally <laughs> painted it on Nigel. Yeah. <laughs> we saw you there with the tins of yeah. paint. Just <laughs> to revoke Article 15. I think he's done everything all at once, hasn't he? <laughs> so yeah, man, I've got no doubt we'll be at this tour. Um, where we'll be, where we don't, we don't know. We were discussing that on Saturday, but we'll be there. We'll be absolutely loving it. Burmising for fucking feed it to me, feed it to me, Robert Flynn. Check uh, it. Be, that'd be awesome. It'd be fucking brilliant. Yeah, I can't wait, mate. Marilyn Manson has almost finished a new album, Sam. I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, man, I mean, is there a lot we can say here? We discussed about, we discussed Marilyn Manson a few weeks ago. It's going to be his 11th record. Uh, we'll review it. We'll probably dislike it. We'll probably wonder why he's still doing this. When he has all these health problems and he keeps falling off stages. And he keeps, like... I remember like someone told me a few years ago that they saw him at download and he's set halfway through. He had to go and get oxygen before he could play the other half, and that was like a few years ago. Don't know how he's still doing this. Don't really know why he's still doing this. He absolutely doesn't need the money. This is uh, bewildering to me. Maybe he does, <laughs> though. Didn't he, like... I, 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 this is bewildering to me, too. Um, I'm, I was trying to think of, like, a witty way of saying how many bands would I want a new album from more than Marilyn Manson. And I could probably name 100. I, I'd, I'd, I think I'd actually get to Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> the murderer from which he's named, who's been dead for five years, <laughs> who actually released a few folk songs that Axl Rose covered that are fucking dog shit. And I think I'd still prefer someone to dig him back up, put him, put his dusty, croaky skeleton in the studio and record an album that I'd rather <laughs> listen to. Whatever embarrassment Marilyn Manson's probably going to produce. And I'm going to have to pretend he's good because he's a legend. <sighs> fucking hell, this is the greatest episode of all time. <laughs> um, but... Maybe, maybe he's he's got to pay for divorce bills and trying to persuade um, Kat Von D to vaccinate her children. Maybe, maybe that's why. Or maybe he's going to pay for surgery so that he doesn't look like Nicolas Cage so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but 
putting his original ribs back in because that's the favourite rumour of the last 25 years. <laughs> yeah, the greatest rumour. That's, that's actually the greatest rumour <laughs> of all time. That brings is. out new album because he's sick of sucking his own dick. <laughs> <laughs> that was the greatest rumour like, that ever happened, that was. Imagine where that started. Who started that? I don't know. Some kids in America decide before they go to school, should we say everyone that Marilyn Manson his ribs and suck his own dick? It's fucking two months later I'm talking about it in Bushbury. <laughs> yeah. I reckon right, Marilyn Manson was just having a joke in an interview one day and he just pokes his stomach at an interview and goes, see, no ribs. And then he just fucking goes everywhere six months later. But for real, like, I was told that as well. I didn't even know who the fuck he was. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Sensational. Uh, Jesus Christ. Got tears in my eyes. <laughs> But yeah, um, please, Marilyn, stop. The thing is, you help. said you said he was a legend. He absolutely is. He's one of the legendary figures of metal in the last two decades. One hundred percent. Yeah, metal. Metal was one thing, and Marilyn Manson legit turned it into something else. I remember being legitimately scared when Marilyn Manson was on TV when I was a kid. Yeah, there was there was a few moments. His videos were fucking insane. They were, man. They were crazy. It was um, there was a one where he, he dressed up as John F. Kennedy and got assassinated in the video as well and that was that was popular as you can as yeah. you can imagine um but and the thing is as well he's marilyn manson like he went through that whole columbine thing you know when he got blamed for all the kids being like taking guns to school and like yeah. they were saying oh i listened to marilyn manson so now i shot up a teenager which which is just a ridiculous argument because you've been playing Sekiro for the last four days and you have yet to turn into a samurai. Oh, it's um, absolutely bullshit, that argument, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just ridiculous. We learned about the Tudors in history, so now I'm going to fucking put my missus in a, in a rack or something <laughs> like that. It just didn't just make sense. But anyway, so he's legit a legend with, like, real cultural kudos and respect and, like, stop doing it to yourself. If you can't even get through a, can't even get through a show, like, for real, like, for real, like, Ozzy Osbourne can get through a show and he's like 83 and made of gaffer tape. Like, I don't I don't understand why Marilyn Manson would do this to himself. I don't understand. He's really intelligent as well. Do something else. Talk. Give lectures. He's, he's actually a good actor. I saw him in Sons of Anarchy. He's good. Yeah, he is good. Like, this, please be so... Do a radio show. Do anything. Do a podcast. Fuck me, we do it. He's... I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, it, it, it's time... It's time. The world doesn't need another Marilyn Manson advert. It doesn't need a Marilyn Manson album. He's coinciding it with, um, by the looks of it, I don't know if it's going to be released at the same time, but the news was released at the same time that he re- uh, they announced he was doing a 22-day Twins of Evil tour with Rob Zombie in the summer. Oh, which, we, which, you know, I mean, that, re- that for some people, that'll be really up there, haven't you? And they'll fucking love that. It's, does That does nothing for me. No, but it I, doesn't. I guess that's cool, man. Hey, you know what, dude? Maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe this album is going to have another beautiful people on it. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe because he's 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 great. His greatest hits should be on every metal metal fans absolutely man. shelf somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Or at the very least, there should be a few Marilyn Manson songs in a Spotify playlist um, because he, he he really has um, he really has changed he really has changed the game at the time, but. <sighs> Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie duo tour in 2019. That speaks every problem that me and you were talking about a few weeks ago, man. Does it not? Yeah, it it it, it does. It it just it just I don't know. Like it just screams, "Oh fuck it!" Should we just have another kid? 
Like in like in, in like ma- ma- year of marriage number twelve, because it just gets to the point that when the kids grown up, you can't bear to look at each other anymore. Like it just, it just, it just feels a bit unnecessary. Like you've been here before. Like uh, uh, we talk about Marilyn Manson. Bloody hell, man! When was the last time Rob Zombie did anything decent? Don't ask me, mate. Fucking hell. Do, are you like me? It's like oh, Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> he does nothing for me just like Marilyn Manson does nothing for me just like Motley Crue does nothing for me yeah I I, I tried to I, I listened to um his his Rob Zombie's album when I was doing that Top 100 Metal thing which you're gonna obviously get to a little bit later but he's uh, one of his first albums in the early 90s and I remember reading the review from Rolling Stone that was saying that it was oh it's brilliant because it intersperses like film scripts into like areas of his music I'm just like well I, I don't want both like I, I wanted to <sighs> Can I just watch a film and then turn the film off and then I listen to an album? I don't have to have this weird. But then again, it, it, there's a market for that somewhere. Oh, Rob Zombie's huge. Yeah, like like people like this weird dystopian world he creates, and oh, I'm I'm not into it. But you know what? Like fifteen thousand people are probably going to see that every two days, aren't they? For like yeah, man. Weeks. If you're into it, more fucking power to you, man. Uh, not for me, but. I, I must say that Marilyn Manson has done some absolute bangers, and he's a vital, vital part of why metal is so is as successful as it has been over the last two decades. So, legendary figure, but I, I do really wish he would just knock it on the head now and, and move on. Yeah, unless he thinks him dying on stage would be the most metal way to leave. Moving on, Sam Metallica. <laughs> SN- <laughs> That's the best transition I've done in the show's history. Uh, Metallica, my S and M two. Chat to me about what S and M meant to you, man. The first one. Oh my god. Um, I I have a I have a soft spot in my heart for all things live and Metallica related. Anyway. Really. Uh, yeah. Shocking. I know. Um, shut up, man. I just think they sound better. Uh, I, I can't help it. The James Hetfield's voice is just amazing. Like, and it was just better in the nineties. And everyone who tells you it wasn't is lying. Um, but that album is just marvelous. Um. A metal band hired an entire orchestra and played metal songs with an orchestra in a concert hall, and no one had ever done it before. And it is just one of the one of the most must listens of metal ever. It is brilliant. It, it in, just, is just, absolutely just, brilliant. Just in terms of ambition, what other band could do this? Have the songs that would suit that type of stuff and be able to completely change them by adding these extra instruments, but also not take anything away from the actual song itself, but kind of enhance them. And the whole thing feels like magical and, and just wonderful and brilliant. And I think it is just, I think it's an astonishing listen for anybody who doesn't appreciate the depth of songwriting that Metallica have done and want to find out why they're so special. Cause literally no fucking other band could do this. And it, it is just stunning. It is just stunning. Because you listen to the original album, then you listen to the S&M version, and sometimes when you go back to the original album, it sounds empty for a bit. Because you're used to all this extra sound that they've managed to create. They've turned it into like a film score. And it, it's just... Honestly, honestly, it's marvellous. And it is one of my favourite albums ever. That's that's what it means to me, man. It's just brilliant. So for those who aren't aware, S&M is a live album that Sam was saying, Metallica recorded uh, in the 90s. 
uh, in the symphony hall, uh, the, the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra, sorry, uh, massively world famous. It's lauded world over for how progressive and brilliant it was for the time. And Metallica have announced uh, a special one-off show in September, which I could imagine Sam would sell all the kidneys <laughs> to be a I would, actually. All, 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 all of them. I mean, I'm just sad that I only have two um, to offer. They even added a second date because of the ticket bot thing. Did you yeah, hear about just, that? Uh, yeah, I was just about to mention that. That went as well, didn't it? Yeah, it, it did. Um, it's just... I, I love that they're doing it. I love that they're doing it at the same place with the same orchestra. I like the symmetry. Um, I like the of all the bands that have played around the Bay Area and all the famous musicians and artists, San, the, Fran- the San Francisco Council want Metallica. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I don't. I like that they're not discriminating the metal. I mean, like, you could have gone... Like, Bay Area, California, could have got, like, NWA. Yeah. Or, like, in, any of the LA, California bands and said, oh, they're kind of local. But you could have got, like, Dr. Dre. And that would have been perfectly fine because, you know, it's a it's a basketball arena as well. And if you think of, like... The, the 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 artists that uh, have a connection to basketball, a lot of it is rap and hip hop artists as well, because the players and stuff like that, that would have made a ton of sense. So like, shout to San Francisco, I've gone. You know what? Our biggest musical export is Metallica. They should play. I love it. Like, I just the, the whole thing is amazing. I want it to be a DVD. I will buy it. I've got no doubt it'll be absolutely incredible. I just wanted to make mention of it and for you to just talk about uh, why that is so special to you, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm a wreck now. <laughs> I'll see if I can squash that erection, Sam, because you are now going to go through your <laughs> your next five. Not physically, are <laughs> not. Phys- I'm not going to come and squash on your erection. Um, <laughs> you're now going to go for the next five on your top 100 greatest metal albums of all time list. So, for those who weren't here on the last episode, Sam has been nerdy and genius enough to compile the list of 100 greatest metal albums of all time. He has split them into categories, which we won't go over again for time's sake. Uh, but at the moment, Sam, we are still in the category of... Just remind me. In 10 years, we'll still be talking about this album, we think. So, so far we have had, Sam? Fight Star Behind the Devil's Back, Northland Singularity, Periphery Select Difficulty, While She Sleeps, You Are We, and Architects Holy Hell. And album number ninety-five on your list, Sam. You're actually gonna, you actually are gonna squash my erection. Um, it's uh, Death Haven, Sunbather. Right. Um, no. Uh, Not familiar with let... this one. Not familiar with this one. So please t- uh, take the lead. Uh, please let me explain. It is, um, it is a sort of a dissonant metal album that is considered um incredibly influential in terms of like, it's hard to explain, but it's like. Emotional metal crossed with black metal with like a, a modern twist that's kind of interspersed with this sort of dissonant, clean guitar sound. So, you know, when we reviewed um, Holden Absence a few weeks ago. Yes. And we had that, you know, those those bits where it's like epic is the phrase that I want to look for without without being less trying to be less ambiguous. But there's those areas of like dissonant emotive sound with like light clean guitar. You know the bits that bring me are really good at. Yeah. Um so this came out in like two thousand and ten and it's an album full of this sort of stuff. But honestly, I, I please go away and listen to it. Anyone who hasn't heard about it, listen to it. Because um it, it laid a blueprint of a lot of bands that have followed this style of writing. And it is widely regarded by my and, and now i've listened to it as well it's really really clever and beautiful widely regarded one of the most sort of reflective um emotional and sort of 
um what's the word i'm sort of looking for pensive metal albums because it's heavy but it's not intense and it's emotive but not cheesy and it does not a lot of lyrics and it mixes between sort of like quite soaring thrash notes as well with like some of the percussion but then changes tempo again and, and, and links back down to this sort of downplayed clean dissonant empty guitar riffs and so honestly it's almost like operatic in its differences in temp not tempo but differences in atmosphere like it honestly is one of the most beautifully atmospheric albums i've ever heard from a metal band and I've, i i i even looked i even thought when i first heard it i was like there's no fucking way that loads of people love this album because i've never heard of it and uh only rolling stone i'm sure rolling stone are just trying to outthink everybody in the room and you know like try and pick all oh, this one swedish death metal band of really something you've never heard of and it's amazing like that sort of bullshit but then i looked <laughs> and i looked at the reviews around and like i found like a few ranking websites that have like forums and lists and man it's like top 20 across the board of like albums of the decade for metal hammer albums of the decade for metal storm albums of the decade for ranker like it's it's widely regarded and considered really influential. And then I listened to it myself and I thought it was beautiful. So it's got to go in there because I think in 10 years, people are still talking about this album because clearly, even despite the fact that it probably, I missed the boat a little bit with it when it first came out. Looking back, I think it's brilliant. It's called Sunbather by Def Haven. And honest to mate, listen to it when you're staring at the window of a train and I think it'll make you, you make you feel really funny. I'll go to the explain it. It's an experience. You know, it's a metal album. But it doesn't feel like one at all. Like, it, 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 you know, when you listen to like those bits in between metal songs, when it leads on to other songs, and it and like you start to feel like you're waiting for the heavy bit to kick in, but you, you start to feel about different stuff because it's sort of like, you know, when music makes you feel reflective. Yeah. And like you're waiting for something else to happen, so it fills that empty space and you start adding your own stuff. And honestly, I've never listened to an album, especially a metal album. Um, I've listened to loads of albums that do this, but in different genres. I've never listened to a metal album that so comfortably becomes the backdrop to whatever mood you're in. It's like a chameleon. Like, it's really, it's so hard to explain. Just give it a listen, and I think it's really great. And clearly, when I looked around, it was really influential, so I've got to chuck it in here. Mate, you've sold me. I'll be fucking checking that out, I guarantee. Okay, I'll let me know. Moving on to 94. Malevolent, self-supremacy. I guess I'll have to say fucking on this album. One. This is. Yeah. Um, do, I, do I need to talk this one up? This is one of the. This is one of the most well-written, uh, um, brilliant albums, and and just manic, frenetic, well-written, amazing albums. I remember listening to this album. I listened to this album again when I was putting some of this list together. Do you remember when we first heard it and we just sent text messages to each other for like a week, being like. What the fucking genre is this? Yeah, yeah. Remember that because period they, they, of time? They do like, everything. They do everything. And then we, we did the podcast. And I was like sending you videos from work when I was like, oh my God, I've just discovered this riff. Like, that's when that's when, that's when you think an album's special. Because me and you listen to albums all the time. And we'll text each other about music, like pretty much 99% of our conversations are music related. And it's really rare that an album comes along and really grabs you. And means you have to share it with me immediately. And it, like, it, like you know that we both get sent the album, so you know I'll get round to it eventually. But with Malevolence, we were both listening to it and still sending each other voice notes of the album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, I want you to hear this right this fucking second to know exactly what I'm talking about. And I think it was just, it's just an exceptionally written album. 
the legitimate brilliance on that album. For for what Malevolence are and the genre they are in, they have absolutely no right to be able to pen an album as, as good as fucking Self Supremacy. So, 100% back that one. Uh, 93? Gajira for Mar- Master Sirius. Bad boy band Gajira. Big boy riffs, man. Right, this is a... Um... This is a hobnailed boot on your head. This this album is, um, but at the, like I listen I listened to this thinking it was going to be like uh, Diet Dream Theater, like really proggy and yeah. really extended because I know that's the it's reputation. Not. It's not. <laughs> that's the reputation that Gira have kind of held, and I always think of like oh they're French and I, I expect it to be like different. I don't know why. I don't, I don't expect it to be as concise. So I started really, yeah, yeah, and I started listening to it thinking, man, this is clever. Oh man, yeah. this is heavy. And now, I, I just think there aren't many bands that there aren't many bands that sound like Gajira. And you look at what they're able to do from like a a prog metal perspective. They've really kept that alongside Mastodon, um, kept that real that, the real torch going. And I think it is just one of the the the, the best written albums of the last ten ten to fifteen years in terms of its impact and the fact that they've actually managed to, actually managed to transcend. Like how many bands have transcended the fact that they're from a different country and Matt actually cracked it over here? Because you think of it's loads, it's really not. Um, like you obviously think of like Rammstein, and that's kind of it, really. Like really foreign metal bands that have really made a massive difference over here. Right? Maybe yeah. Nightwish, and and like you know like. That, that's that's kind of it really i, I don't care the australian ones because they're english speaking people know what i mean when i'm talking about foreign bands and that, that's what i'm talking about like gajira are like legendary like they're touring with metallica and they've they've been alongside that they're touring with avenged sevenfold they've, they've, they've made this difference and, and and this is one of the of the last 10 to 12 years you talk about some of the most important metal albums of the year of the, the last 10 to 12 years this is on there just is 92 Another one, uh, same sort of vein. Uh, Mastodon crack the sky. Um, Mastodon um, have, have released two or three um, really, really, really well regarded, really well thought of, really influential metal albums. And aside from Leviathan, which really broke them through, which we'll come to a little bit later on this list, um, crack the sky is is like a one of the one of the great concept albums of the last decade. Uh, it's considered one of the one of the one of the many albums of the decade by by several sort of metal metal writers and and I remember reading the review of Metal Hammer at the time when it came out and it was just gushing and listening to it again it is just honestly it's so clever and it's so well written and some of the riffs are really lovely and slippery and slithery and and well thought out and it it, it it's not the most it's not the easiest listen um, there's no so Mastodon have never really written a chorus ever, um, <laughs> but they're they're fucking brilliant musicians. And some of the riffs and some of the stuff here, um, some of the things that they're there's some of the riffs and some of the transitions here, and and some of the bravery, and some of the drumming. Oh my god! If you ever wanted to, if you someone if you knew someone in your life was starting to play drums and they were wanting to listen to some album to sort of get them started off, man, I would recommend this album. Because some of, some of the little drum fills that, that Mastodon's drummer here manages to pull off. Not the most complex things in the world. Never going to like blow your tits off like it's not Blast Beats, it's not Fiatis Murder, all that sort of stuff. But just feel of songs and rhythm and, and how to sound heavy without having to play a million kick drums at once. And that's the same with the riffs because they're not like massively down-tuned. 
It's just really well written. Again, same with Gajira. You're talking about one of the most important albums of the last few years in terms of their impact and their um, their 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 status in the genre. Ninety one. Um, Fire Murder Hate. Oh, interesting that you've put it here. This is the greatest deathcore album of all time. Yeah. I don't, that's that's not a statement, really, is it? That's not even a big take anymore. Yeah. Um. Just, that's yeah. That's the it's and and it came out in two thousand and ten or two thousand and twelve. I wanna go. I want. I wanna go twelve. Let me just confirm that. So, so just mate, carry on there. And it's seven years old, and pretty much immediately within six months was yeah. This is the best death metal. This is the death again. Death death core album ever. Twenty twelve. And might be the best death metal album ever that hasn't come from the band called Death, which invented death metal. And 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 aside aside from that, it's this. This is just if you ever want to talk about punishing. Yeah, if you want to dip your toe in extreme metal, this is the album where you start. This is the benchmark by which every death metal and deathcore band and album has has ever and will ever be judged. Me and you. Every time we talk about heavy album, talk about Fire Murder, even as a passing reference, just as a comparison, because these guys are the benchmark. These guys are the Metallica of extreme metal, and this album is their master of puppets. Couldn't have put it better myself. And then just finish off 90. Um, I've got Let Live, The Blackest Beautiful, but I've got oh, one I more. One more. I've got one more in this album afterwards as well, because this list goes up to 89, and they're in a different category. So can I tell you that as well? We'll quickly talk about The Blackest Beautiful. Yes, of course. Because uh, they're, 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 they're a band that we've said in this podcast before. We got into criminally late. But I remember we did a thing where me and you were in HMV. It was the Christmas before last. And we were like, what if we just bought by each other one album? And we're like, you've got a go that you've never heard before. And that we think we, each other would really like. And we've got to go home and listen to it. It's one of the coolest things that we've ever done. And I, you know, I would like to do it one day again with you. Yes. Uh, if, if I had a, 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 a means of playing CDs in this day and age. After the discussion <laughs> we had last week. Um, so you got me uh, Slaughter the Soul by After the Gate. Uh, after the Gates. At the Gates. Which I fucking loved. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant death metal album. And also the very, the very beginnings of Metalcore I must say. And I picked up The Black is Beautiful for you. Because I, I listened to Let Live. I've still got into them later, but I got in before you. I was like, yes. mate, this album is one of the most genius things of the last 10 years. It is fucking incredible. Jason Butler on this is in, is amazing, but the drummer will literally send you to another stratosphere. Just give me a quick rundown on your thoughts on this album, man. Uh, the drummer sent me to another stratosphere. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, just, as a, just as a feat of songwriting and vocal... Um, vital ingenuity and lyrical content and um songs by bands that don't ever sound like any other band would ever be able to write them yeah let li- let live let live write more of those out write more of those songs than any other band that i can think of because and i, I mean this is i mean it's a huge compliment i listen to like uh let's pick out a random band i listen to slipknot and i think nobody else could write that song that slipknot write. but i listen to like architects and i'm like all right okay if you took out some i could imagine periphery Somebody, maybe right in this yeah yeah i get it you know i can imagine while she keeps doing a version of this do you know what i mean can you imagine anyone writing these sort of songs and making them sound like this like i, I just i don't think it exists i don't think it happens without this and i think it's it's punk and hardcore and metal and rock and roll and a little bit of rap all rolled into one 
it's it's the modern day rage against the machine it's brilliant it's brilliant it's not even my favorite let live album but i think it's their most complete it's it's legitimate brilliance the black is beautiful is i i cannot speak highly enough about that album it's legitimately one of the best albums i've heard i i, I just think it's absolutely exceptional um so yeah just finish off your list then man with uh, uh, well in this category should i say 89. yes it's fantastic uh slayer course delusion um, right, okay. You came out in 2006 and it rescued, right, Slayer, yeah, it yeah. rescued Slayer's career. Um, they'd released God Hates Us All and then sort of disappeared for a bit. And there was a there was a whole like, have they are they going to bring back Dave Lombardo? What, what's going to happen with the band? And, and there was this like, sort of slowing. It was during the period of time as well when people had stopped listening to thrash metal, largely. Um, like 2001 to 2005. I mean, no fucker was being crying out for a new Slayer album. It's just unfortunate. It was just the way that music was coming along at the time. Um, Christ Illusion came out with like Jihad. I was going to say, this one's got Jihad on it. As it's got yeah. a Skeleton Christ on as well. Yeah, it has. Yeah. Jihad and Cult and Skeleton Christ. And, and it's rebuilt this last 12 years of Slayer that really reshaped and reclaimed their career. And it is their... It's, and there's there's more Slayer on this list as you can imagine, um, but this is their this is their best album of like since like 91's War Ensemble for me, and considering this is a top five metal band in terms of like impact, to have an album this late in their career that was so so very good, like it was brilliantly heavy, brilliantly written. Had all the classic Slayer franticness. It was the last great, the last great Slayer album, and really rescued their career. And and there's something about Slayer that nobody else can really quite get to. And there's a there's a type of sound that they have, and there's a type of songwriting style that they have that is is yet to be really repeated in terms of intensity. And man, just chuck on chuck on Cult or Skeleton Christ, beg ya. There's that breakdown at the end of Skeleton Christ, and, and that would be a fit in any metal song for any metal band and they're like 45 it is just tremendous i think and in 10 years i think we look back and think that was the that was the last great thrash metal album as well i really i'm really agreeing with that list oh god okay now that like you've got now that you've taught me into actually believing in the way that you've comprised them i'm into that one Okay, are you interested in hearing the name of the next li- of the next category? Yes, please set me up. The category that we are doing next week is called Modern Greats, but Too Soon to Measure Legacy. So it'll be band albums that are like 10 to 20 or 10 to 15 years old that we don't necessarily know whether they're going to be like 20, 30 year greats, but we anticipate that they are going to be. Right. That's, I'm expecting some absolute bangers in there, mate. There isn't a, there isn't a bad album on this entire list. This entire yeah, section, no, obviously it, not. No. This entire this entire section is mine and your childhood here, with a couple of other ones littered in. That is gonna be some tasty shit, mate. In two weeks. Yes, it is. Main event of the show, Sam. Oh yes, right. that's still almost forgot. We were talking about periphery as well. Right. Uh, I'm really interested. This is gonna be a, this is a bit of a tough one. Uh, and first of all, before I go into the review, and, and I'll kick us off, but I do want to ask you. Did you find it easy to review this? Because I didn't. No, it was really tough. When I first came across Periphery was when we were doing Soundcheck. And I couldn't... There wasn't a big album coming out during the week that we were going to do one. And 
a uh, uh, friend, Andrew Kelso, he was said to me, oh, man, there's this band called Periphery released a new album called Select Difficult. It's absolutely amazing. And then you said, I was like, oh, oh no, Periphery, man. I bet, I bet this new song, this new album's wicked. So you should, like, you, you said, you should check it out. And I was like, all right, then. So I was like, we'll do that then. Me, you, Martin. So we'll do Select Difficulty for this week. Yeah. And I, I remember on the podcast, I was like, right, I've only had chances to speak twice because I've had a crazy week. So for the, for the time being... I haven't d- dived in. I'm going to have to just give it a seven. Because I can tell there's bits there that I'm going to really like. But it, like, it's a difficult album to pick apart because there's so much going on that I need yeah. to really I need to really sit with it and uh, and obs- observe every, every single fucking millisecond of it. So, it's so And once I delved in, I was like, this is the best album of the year. This is. This is incredible. I, I, I was blown away. I, I was legitimately in love with it. Everything from Remaining Doors, The Pitch of Spencer, to Catch Fire. I absolutely adored Loon. They finished on it when we saw them live. Oh, was, my God, uh, that was a moment. It was emotive and amazing. And all the crowd sang every word. And, you know, seeing that live show that we talk about quite often just really affirmed that Periphery were one of my favourite bands. And I, I just thought they were just this exceptional, exceptional group of musicians that had somehow come together and just created this band that you just never knew what to expect from and you know every album said it different to the other one and you know they, they would add elements of literally everything in there and I th- when, when I knew that they were doing this fourth album I thought fuck me what's this going to hold for us I was like, I, I was like I, got, I got no idea what to expect here and I think I was I was spot on to think that because this Periphery are a band that every album's like doing a new project for them. I legitimately believe that. It's like a Tarantino film, isn't it? Legit, that's a that's a great way of describing it. Actually, yeah, it's like, man, I, I legitimately think they see album recording cycles as like a blank canvas, and they're like, yes. Yeah, so what colour are we chucking on this then? Any ideas? And then yeah. And then we start with red. And, and then we'll they all agree on throwing all of the colours. Yeah, yeah. And we start with red, and we'll just see where we go. And then before you know it, you've got fourteen rainbows on a piece of fucking paper. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's why with this album, it made it was really difficult for me to, to to pull it apart because, dude, the opening song on this is sixteen minutes long. Yes, it, it is. It is a. Um... It's not a listen. It's not a listen for the light-hearted, is it? It's not, it's, man. You've got to. You've got to fucking go into this you're, album. If you're, if someone walks up to you, to say, for some random reason, that people walk up to you and say the following phrase, like, "Hey, man, I'm looking to get into metal. You do a podcast about metal. What albums would you recommend that I started? I'd, I'd be forty albums deep before I sent them to Periphery. That is, that is true. But I don't. But it's not necessarily. No, in terms of their popularity. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying, I'm like, you have to build up because if someone chucked Periphery at me when I was fourteen. Be too it'd, much. Yeah, it'd be like giving me algebra. <laughs> Literally, because yeah, and, 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 that yeah. much going on. And 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 now algebra still still makes my head hurt. I found this album really difficult to review as well. Um, number one is because I think, from a complexity standpoint, uh, uh, this is going to sound like a compliment, but I don't mean that it is. But at the same time, I don't mean it as a negative either. It's just a statement. It's it's more complex. Yeah. And I don't mean that it's better because it's more complex, but I don't mean that it's worse because it's more complex either. It's just more intricate this time around. I think Select Difficulty feels like, um, looking back when in comparison to this, Select Difficulty feels like they're, oh, should we try a chorus for a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Just, do you know what I mean? Should we try this for a bit? And then I've gone back to Periphery 2 and Alpha, and I've gone back to that style of writing, I think. like They just broke the head out of the parapet and wrote like Marigold. And loon, and then went back 
do you know what I mean? Like, I feel that that's where they broke out, and I feel they've gone back to their roots, I think. One thing I will say about this album, before we get really, really into the review, I've always found that I preferred Periphery's Melody to where they're a heavy band. Yes, I would agree. And I don't think that the the, le- the scales between mel- Periphery's quality in Melody and quality in Heavy are as, fast, are as far tipped towards Melody in any other record that I've heard apart from this one. Uh, and just, yes. to, just, just to describe that in a bit more of a simplest term, I think Periphery's Melody on here far, far outweighs the Heavy. The heavy songs on here, I'm on here, I'm neither here nor there for. In a in, yeah. in, in, in a sense, there's a song called "Follow Your Ghost," and it, it's followed by "Crush," and I found myself like, yeah, you know, six out of ten, you know, like yeah. Spencer, Spencer's growls are heavy, and the guitar tone from Misha Mansour is fucking really like gruesome and grisly. I'm into it, but I was like. This this ain't this this ain't like doing much for me. I'm I'm just I'm, I'm the only reason I'm into this is because I've got a pre-existing love for Periphery. I think if this is the first Periphery album I ever heard, my love for the band may not be as strong because I would think that they're too one-sided. Now I know that Periphery can do the really sick heavy songs, but I don't think there's a sick heavy song on this album. No, I agree. I think Blood Eagles okay. Yeah, Blood Eagles all right, and Follow Your Ghost and Crush's Sound. And church burner. But I think is, I think I think too often this. Fa- I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I love this band. Um, too too often it fades into the background. Um, like I listen, I listened, I listened to this album, and I know that we 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 you say with periphery, that you have to sit down and take it on. Um, but it, it's never been this difficult to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and like I've had to sit, like you say, you had to sit down and concentrate. But you know, when you listen to Select Difficulty, you didn't have to concentrate; it just no. grabbed your attention. Absolutely, you you automatically picked up on the nuances. Yeah, like because because that's what happens when you listen to a great album. When you see like Machine Ends the Blackening for the first time, you didn't have to like sit down. I really need to make sure I know what's going on in Halo. Like it just, it was just one of the greatest songs you'd ever heard, and it just picked you in. Um, whereas Periphery here, uh, there were only maybe one or two songs that really 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 stood out to me and the first one on that is it's only smiles that that i've got to say that song is one of the most stunning pieces of music i've ever heard in my life the, this oh, that, it's that, incredible yeah i think it would be a an ironic touch that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if this was the song that took periphery over the edge because it's so beautifully written but it's off their weaker one of their weaker albums in terms of overall strength but this is the band this is the song that remind that gets fans into their other material do you know what i mean um because it is honest to god oh my god like it blows me away every time i listen to it it, it's it it, i I, I don't speak for yourself but for me it is by far and away the highlight of the album and I, i i really 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 I, I heard it the first time. I had to play it, listen to it again. Not just because I missed anything, because I loved it so much. Absolutely, I've listened to it about a hundred times. Like I was like, I need to make the chorus. I know it's absolutely huge, but at the same time, not like pushing it down your throat. Huge, like there's huge in like living on a prayer. 
by Bon Jovi, and it, you can't ignore it, and it's like right in your face. But this is like, it's like a tidal wave, like it just surrounds you. It's on honestly, it's absolutely fucking stunning, and that is that is by far and away one of the best songs I've ever written. It's up, right up there with me for, with Loon and the way the news goes and Alpha and some of the other songs that they're, some of the really terrific songs they've written. But it comes in the midst of some stuff that I think. Um, I don't know, like, it, it sounds at times like they're trying to outthink themselves a little bit. Like, they're trying to be, and I, it's periphery, so they're always going to write really complex stuff. But it, sometimes I just listen to it and I feel like they're, they're, they're saying to themselves, all right, we need a complex riff here. Uh, we need to do this here. We need to and, and just write what come, you should, uh, it didn't feel like a natural writing process a little bit. The first, The first song sounds like a band that have written 25 riffs that could have been tw- four songs and they just didn't know how to balance them out so they've all put them in one song like it's it's an impressive feat but are you going to listen to that 16 minute song loads no but i will i will skip to the middle where the chorus matches the one in garden in the bones because i think that's genius yeah i think i think it's brilliant but but you know <sighs> Like that could be an album in itself, couldn't it? Couldn't that if if that was two eight minute songs, would it make a difference? No. Do you know what I mean? Would it? Would, would you like? Oh, I needed that. Needed that to be together. And if it was two eight minute songs, would it make a bit more sense? Because it literally turns into something else halfway through. It literally. I think Reptiles a bit like they made Life Crisis in the sense of like, yeah, look at us doing sixteen minute songs on album number four. We're still prog. Do, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Dream Theater, suck it. Um, yeah, I, I, I just. It felt like I can't remember the band that we were talking about. Uh, we're talking about themselves, but we were saying oh, I think if you want to, me or you, it probably sounds like me because it's negative. But um, we were saying that they need an editor. They need someone tapping them on the shoulder, saying, "Calm down a bit." Oh, fuck yeah! Oh, I, forgot, I, I, I forgot who that was, but that sentiment does ring a bell. I can't remember. I can't remember who. It, I can't remember who it was. Um, but like they've, they've they're saying with periphery here, um, if you write, if you're that good at music and you're that good at writing songs, um, like with anything, everything you everything you write, it's difficult to always have an editing ear. You need a fresh pair of ears. Uh, I think I think because I love periphery, and that sounds really strange to say, but I listen to this and I think it needs a bit of trimming. I do agree. And I, think, I think it's I think it's a bit fatty. I think it's a bit stretched, a bit bloated. A lot of what I respect Periphery Sandwich in the sense of they've got their own uh, record label, Three Dot Recordings, and they record all their stuff themselves. I think Misha produces everything. A- everything that band do is all in-house. They, they, they do it all themselves, pretty much, with the exception of the occasional uh, job roles. Most of it is done in-house by Periphery. And while I think that's one of the most respectable things about them, I think that's one of the biggest downfalls on this album. Because if you've got a really experienced producer that has worked on several metal albums in in their career i do feel like at some point they'll be like ah oh, lads i've we're gonna have to pull this back a little bit here because you're going a bit too far and it, it, it does need space taking it space putting in the middle and what i mean by that is i think the, i think periphery did a year had a year doing this album and it's the most time they've ever spent they've ever spent doing the record and I, from the from, as from my perspective What's happened is they've had too much time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, too, they've, they've had too much time to be like, you know, they've, they've, they've probably already wrote nine songs, but it was 45 minutes long. And they're like, oh, that's not us. That's not that's not like us. Oh, we you know we we've got another six, we've got another few months here. We should add we should add more riffs in here, or we should add some more programming in here in here, or how about taking some simplicity from that song and adding a bit more complexity to it? And for me, that just took me out of the game a little bit. Like, I never expected to be listening to a Periphery album and saying to you, some of the songs I was neither here nor there on because I was so massively obsessed. We select difficulty. It, I thought it was genius in almost every single section. What I will say about this album is, yet again, Spencer Sotelo is. Uh, is <laughs> yeah, man. from a, from a from a vocal from a vocal perspective. What do we discuss here about Spencer? Like seriously, I'll reiterate the statement I've said every time we're talking about Periphery. Um, in a band of incredibly incredibly talented musicians, he's still somehow the star. By quite a distance as well, crazily. Uh, yeah, actually, especially on this, yes. um, because where 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 some of these musicians, where some music musician um, compatriots have taken a step back, not in terms of talent, but in terms of production, um, he has maintained his his depth. Um, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them live to see just how he does some of these songs. Not, yeah, because. Not not for like my own gratification, just for like a in the same way that I'd watch a rocket launch. Like I just want to see how it works, how it happens, to see this like feat of like human engineering that's going on with within him. I think I think he is just he's just marvelous. I think I think obviously again like I think the drummer is marvelous in this. I think the guitarists are fantastic. I think the guitarists have been a bit overindulged. Um, but this I think this is what happens when you have three guitarists though. Like how do you how do you cut down? Like, who'd you tell not to play anymore? Do you know what I mean? How does it work? Like, Iron Maiden bring out, like, nine-minute songs with 14 guitar solos because who are you going to... If you've got three guitar solos, you've got three guitarists, who are you going to say, oh, it's your turn on the next one? How does that conversation even happen? When when they're all, like, bachelor degree-level incredible musicians, who do you, who are you, who are you, who are you saying no to? Who are you going to turn around to the drummer and be like, actually, tone it down a bit? And he's like, you're telling me to tone down. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? How do those conversations even happen? How does it even happen? Obviously, Mish is the producer as well, so he's going to want his, he's going to his uh, crack of the whip. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. If anything, it's easy for Spencer to just be like, all right, I'll come in, I'll sing my bit, and I'll leave the leave the rest of you guys to fiddle about a bit. Because everyone at least agrees that you need a fucking chorus and <laughs> you need some lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but everything else is up, is up for debate. And the, the drummer's going to be like, you know, I need this bit where you all stop and I play drums for 20 seconds. Or I need to play drums for an hour, a minute and forty-five, and they're gonna be like, "Yeah, right, we'll do it." Like that's that's the point where prog eventually eats itself because it comes it becomes too self-indulgent because you start setting a precedent where does it at what point does it stop becoming a song and start becoming an exhibition of musicians' talent? Because at some point that line is very blurred. It gets very blurred on this album. It does, like, doesn't it? Mate, it's no coincidence that I think the best songs on here are God in the Bounds, It's Only Smiles and Satellites. Three of the and shortest songs on the album. And, and they're three of the shortest songs on the album because they're not trying to do too much. It, it's just, it's it's conf- it's in a confined space. Spencer fucking kills it. So does Matt on drums. So so does Misha. So does uh, Jake Bowen and Mark Holcomb. 
the whole band just you know they're, they're all exceptional musicians and there's some parts in this album that is really genius for it i'll go back to it the chorus on reptile mimics one of the mimics the chorus on garden the bounds and i think it's really fucking genius how, how they've how they've wrote it because it, it, it mirrors it, but there's just a little nuance change when it comes round to the chorus on Guardian and the Bounds. And it is really fucking beautiful the way it's written. And Sentient Glow and Satellites, the closing one two punch on the album. It, it, they're, they're more melodic and they're fucking beautiful, beautiful songs. They are Starlight in the Night. They're, they really are excellently written. And yes. Satellites is like Loon in the sense of beautiful. Um, serene closing song with spencer just just given the spotlight and yeah he, he absolutely runs with it i think this is an album that will be really appreciated by some but for, for me as you said it eats it, it ends up eating itself a little bit yes because there's too there's there's too much of trying to out it tries to outdo itself too often this makes uh, select difficulty seem like I don't know the most basic pop punk album of all time in comparison. <laughs> this, yeah. make, this makes the honestly that I've just thought of a better way to describe it. This makes select difficulty sound like ten songs of uh, three three chord choruses. Yeah, it it it, it sounds like Green Day. Yeah, but like early Green Day, not like yeah, like just like, like just three chords. Dun 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 dun. It, it just makes it makes it sound like that. In comparison, <laughs> you, should write, the, you should write an album. I'd listen to that. <laughs> this is so far. This is so far out there, and it's just it, it's taken me aback a little bit. But what I will say is, this album is propped up immensely by Guardian of the Bones, Sentient Glow, Satellites, and more than anything else, It's Only Smiles. It's Only Smiles is one of the greatest songs I've heard in the last ten years. It's absolute, absolute genius. I think it's yeah, I completely agree, and that 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 shows me that Periphery are continually capable of writing songs of just incredible and ethereal beauty. But at the same time, I would like next time they record an album, can we have somebody else in the room? Just that yeah. isn't in the band. For for me, Please. for me, this next re- the next record needs needs a producer, a producer on board. Yeah, a yeah. producer, and, and I'm not saying it needs to be like fucking like you need to get someone who's produced Drake. Now, get get someone who understands metal, obviously, but, like, can you get, like, Devin Townsend or Rick Rubin or someone, like, who's done, please, just just some, another, a, 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 an impartial voice to be like, lads, honestly, do we need 11 minutes without vocals? Honestly. Yeah. Do we need it? Because there's, there's, there's points in time where they play some of this stuff live and Spencer could get to get a drink at the bar and come back. <laughs> <laughs> walk from the stage and go for a fag come back and it'd be alright like I, it is so some of it is and the thing is I love I love it when it works and I, and I love the elements of it but I think it needs to be just cut down a bit just cut down a bit I think sometimes it's a bit overindulgent and that's with prog metal is always a danger and with tech metal and, and gent and all that sort of stuff it's always a danger because these are some sterling musicians and you know what like let it fly do what you gotta do but from like an impartial listener to an album who is not a member of Periphery, sometimes you need to bring me back to the the content, otherwise you tend to lose yourself a little bit. I think. Just as a closing thought from me, if we're talking about Periphery as a band, I think they're a group of musicians that are the best, the best in metal today. 
in terms yes. of in, in terms of ranking uh, uh, ranking a list of musicians ability when there is one we're one of the best metal bands in existence um because they're all genius in their own field and then they've got spencer as well who is literally on another universe of quality i've never yes. heard about i've never heard of vocalists like him i often play around with the idea of jason butler from let leave and fifa 333 being up there with spencer but this album really confirmed to me that he's not and that's not a knock on jason that's a, a compliment to the absurd absurd quality of spencer and this album i never thought i'd be saying this but this album is kind of saved by him and i don't mean that because the other band members play poorly i mean that because nothing really really stands out to me the way the way it did on select difficulty like there's a drum there's a closing drum fill on satellites and i don't know whether you'll remember there's a song called flatline on select difficulty yeah even though the drum fill in the middle is quite simplistic i obsess over it because i think yeah it's, <laughs> I, I think i think it's it's simplistic but it's amazing and i think i think it fits into the song brilliantly and there's there's a, a, a drum fill on satellites where it's where it's just a drummer mat and as it started i was like oh oh here we go here we go here we go but it never got me the way flatline did because I think it's. I think that's suffered from the fact that the album as a whole didn't grab me the way that Select Difficulty did. There's no Marigold on here, and what I mean by that is that I think it's only Smiles is absolutely fucking beyond genius to me and you. But yes. I'm not sure whether that would translate to a huge crowd. Whereas Marigold is like the you know the big fucking massive chorus with the the violins and the crazy guitar lines. Whereas it's only Smiles it is a bit more. It's a bit more of a listener's song you know what I mean it's a real piece of artwork it's only smiles just in my opinion I, I think this album suffers from too many cooks being in the kitchen and too much intelligence this album needs to be dumbed down yeah it's it's a dissertation when it could be like a news article that's yeah so sometimes I think they just I don't know yeah not, not to say that it isn't a, isn't a worthy listen and... oh my god listen please listen to this album if if not only for it's only smiles please listen to this album because there's plenty to enjoy from me and there's plenty that people that we know that like peripheral come to us and be like oh yeah man this bit from this song we'll be like yeah man it's sick but just as a collective it didn't grab me the way it's like difficulty did I agree let's score this man it's a difficult one for me because I I think it's only smiles is one of the great genius songs of the last of the last tw- I could I could say twenty years. Um, and I, I'm really into Guardian and the Bound, Sentinel Glow and Satellites as well, but the rest of the album just didn't do it for me, man. Wait up, um, wait up, what's the average? What are you saying? Oh. I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go eight by by like a Nat's ball hair. Do you know what I mean? Ju- yeah, just yeah, yeah. Ju- just about eight. Sam? Seven point five, very good, not great. Man, I feel a bit sad <laughs> that we because yeah. like, I, I was really, I, I, you know, when when we, when I saw this album drop in my inbox, I was thinking, here we go, album of the year, this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game changer. I wanted to. I, you, that's the sad thing when you want to give something a nine or a nine point five or a twelve in our case, and <laughs> it's just it, it just ain't it, is it? No, nah. man, that was uh, I wasn't expecting us to go for that long, but that was quite an episode. Um, so that is it for this week's episode of the Noise Podcast. We will be back again in two weeks. We're going to be talking about our wonderful time we had in New York. I'm not actually sure what album we were going to be setting up for reviewing at that point. Uh, at the moment, I've got the Alpha Wolf EP, which I think we'll be getting into, and it's something else pops up. Uh, White on, Chapel. On, on, 
Yeah, oh, actually, yes, that came out that on uh, Friday, just gone, but I'm going to download that and listen to it on the plane, I think, when we're, when we're on our way to, uh, to the big NYC. So I'll be checking that out. And, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe watch up for the next episode. Yeah, okay, cool, sounds good. Thank you for listening. We uh, appreciate every single listen that we get. Remember, noise.co.uk for all your news and reviews and live reviews on the, band, the bands that you love and the ones you get to find out about. And we'll be back in two weeks with the next episode. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye.